following program is intended for mature audiences. The time is now for the hardest hit, yet completely trivial, football show on the planet. You are in rarefied territory. Ladies and gentlemen, well, well to the broken helmet. Let's rock. Welcome to the Broken Helmet, coming to you live on tape on this August the 4th, the Wednesday before the season starts. Chris, you ready for it? Are you ready? Uh, obviously. Like, well, I wish it was starting like today. Really? I don't know. Are you that excited yeah. for the for the Hall of Fame game? Oh, I mean, I could, I mean, I, I wish it was regular season starting today. Oh yeah, shit about the Hall of Fame game. No, I'm I'm just referring to the first of many preseason games yet to be played tomorrow, which will probably be when anybody listens to this by the time I get to post it. So uh, on Thursday, the fifth is the Hall of Fame game. The Dallas Cowboys will be facing off against the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Cowboys, Sons, everybody. Everybody! We're tanks for nothing! You pay good money to go see this game, and you're going to see Jack squat in term of players. Nobody's going to this thing. Dak Prescott just got off the injured list. He starts up the preseason, and already he's hurt. Shoulder injury, whatever the hell it is. So he's not playing. I forget what the number was. Uh, I saw it earlier. I think there's like 12 people that just aren't even playing the game, which is like, <laughs> okay, <laughs> sure enough. So, uh, but yes, it is right around the corner here, and we are now in the thick of it. Although, I mean, the preseason to me, and tell me if I'm wrong here, I, I feel through one week or so, maybe six days, it's been kind of quiet. Uh, I mean, I think the whole buildup was the Rogers story, and then once that broke, it was there's nothing else to report on. They literally reported on that for 24 hours a day, seven days a week for... Three months, four months. Yeah, I, the Rogers deal is to me just way past its point. It, it's just shot. I can't even hear about it anymore. I was reading some story today where I think Rogers was talking about what. How, do you know how to pronounce that GM's name? I've tried to. I've, I've Googled it to try to get the pronunciation. Gutnist or something. Genquist? Genquist? Genquist, yes. Okay. I, I literally went to Google just trying to figure out how it was, and then I went to YouTube and listened to somebody else pronounce it, and I, I you know, but I, I say the guy's name once in a blue moon. But there was another Gen story today. Genquist? Genquist? Yeah. yeah, that guy. Uh, so I, I, I saw a story today again about Rogers talking about how he, he and Rogers have a relationship that they're working on. That they're working on. I, I honestly, does anybody give shit at this point? No. I mean, they have squeezed this story dry. There is nothing left of this story. <laughs> and he was never going anywhere. Although the well, last last time we did our fantasy, I had thrown him in there, and I had him in my tier one, and then he almost got bounced. <laughs> because he almost retired, allegedly. I, he's still not my first year. That's still a bold statement. 
I mean, he had a fantastic year. And if you don't, if you don't believe me, you can just listen to his press conference because he told you about twelve times how how great a season he had. Coming off an MVP year, uh, you know, he figured that they'd want to uh, invest a little bit in the MVP season, have some conversations, blah 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 blah. I mean, Pissy Face had a had a press conference of all press conferences. It was awesome to watch and just roll your eyes. But anyway, um, yes, I agree that the Aaron Rodgers and I guess Deshaun Watson for a, a good extent have dominated the headlines. And I guess it's after that it's what Carson Wentz, right? I mean, it's I mean Carson Wentz, his, and then the offensive lineman from Quentin Nelson, Indianapolis. Yeah, Quentin Nelson. He's hurt. He has the same injury that I guess his is kind of more. Uh, his kind of a bigger deal, maybe. I because, thought it was the other way around. Well, isn't he like an All-Pro offensive lineman? Oh, he's fucking all-world. That guy is sick with it. But that's what I mean. So that would make him his case way more severe. Oh, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, no, I was just talking in terms of the actual injury. I think, oh, I, yeah, I don't. I think Wentz is worse. Yeah, and they then they said it was an old high school injury. I, Wentz has this uh, characterization of being injury-prone, which you can't really argue with, but how long has he been injury-prone? He goes all the way back to high school? It, it's it's a little dizzy yeah, yeah. to think about how long this guy's been hurt. It was high school, which you didn't hear about. Then it's college with his, uh, what was the college? Was the wrist, the back? I don't even know anymore. Who reports that? Like, how do you have reporting on his high school injuries? Well, I, it was him, I think. I'd never heard about it previously. Maybe it was out there, but I don't remember it. But I guess when he did this injury and then they went to the foot specialist, I guess when they came out and gave more information regarding the injury, they said it was an old high school injury. That's the only way I knew it was. But, I mean, hell, this guy has been injury prone forever. Forever, forever. Yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, you got. I almost feel bad for the guy, almost. But he still was an eagle at one point, so you know, f him. Um, but yeah, so he he was him and Nelson were headlines basically the past couple of days, and that's been about it. You know, injuries. You know that that seems to be the the hotbed of it. Uh, everybody seems injured in COVID. I mean, people. I, the COVID thing is going to be a big problem. It seems to be a bigger problem in the sense of numbers than it is in the sense of people getting sick from it. I think it's yes. just, it seems as if more people are getting, uh, contracting uh, coronavirus than are actually getting sick from it, which is, I guess it's a double-edged sword, right? Because nobody wants to get it in any way, shape, or form, but at least the people that are getting it aren't getting us sick. No, right. It doesn't seem like anybody that has it will. And I, I've been saying um, on the pod, past couple of, of podcasts, that this is going to be the biggest test uh, for basically the nation because unlike regular people like us, we don't get tested you know, all the time. Now, you have a case of the sniffles. You got tested because you work in a living facility, so it was required. But if I get the sniffles, I'm not going. I'm double vaccinated. And so I'm not checking. But the NFL, they're going to check them anyway. So even if they don't feel sick, they're going to find out. And what you've seen is COVID numbers that have gone through the roof. Yeah, a lot. A lot, a lot, a lot. Through the roof. And I guess the biggest uh, the biggest cause of concern is 
the requirements of the players if they do test positive. Because if you're unvaccinated, you have to isolate for 10 days. So that's a week and change. So that's at least a game. Um, and that could, if you test positive on, like, say, game day, that could be two games, right? And then, yeah, I, I didn't even think about it that way, but yeah, yeah, that's if you that's if you test positive. If you test positive and you're unvaccinated, ten days is yes. is the isolation, which is why the teams are freaking out about having high unvaccinated rates. I, I mean, look, I don't know, I'm a, I'm a little. Um, uh, what is the word? Uh, uh whatever. Uh, think the worst. Uh, out of people. Uh, what's the word I'm I'm fishing for here? As I'm stammering on the pod. I don't know. Uh, whatever. Um, I can't believe I can't think of the word. Anyway, I, I'm not sure that the NFL is doing this because they they're worried about everybody's health. Right? What's I, the protocol if someone is vaccinated and then test positive? Yes. Okay. So what? What I was just trying to say was that I think they're doing it because they want people to get vaccinated because they want them on the field. That's the deal. And then to your point, to your question, answer your question, the positive test for a vaccinated player is that they can return to camp after two negative tests that are at least 24 hours apart. So basically two days. Right? Or a day if you test positive. Uh, no, it's going to have to be two days. Well, I guess unless you do the the tests in the morning, you can return for an afternoon practice. So one to two days. So you're looking at 10 days to two days for vaccinated versus unvaccinated, which is why the coaches are making such a big stink about getting their players vaccinated. Because two days, nothing. 10 days is possible two games. Yeah, but no one's going to test positive and then test negative within two days. It's not going to happen. Uh, I, unless it's a faulty test, right? I mean, that that's the one thing. Yeah, that's that's the one thing, right? But that's that's the. Th- I think the quickest I've seen in my line of work is, I think it was five days, and and we thought maybe the person tested negative so quickly was because they didn't get diagnosed until they were already a week into it. Okay. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. The NFL, though, they, I mean, they obviously have the power to do whatever they want to do with these tests. I mean, you look at, you lost an entire line last year for the Raiders, and they all came back to play, minus the Brown, right? He was the only one that sat out. Yeah, he got sick, sick. Right. So, outside of him, though, you lost an entire line because, I, you know, what was it, contact tracing, close contacts, but they all came back yeah. miraculously before the game. Didn't really, and I forget. Did you win that game or lose that game? Not that you. That won. was against. That was against Kansas City. Yes, we did it not, was Kansas we City. Right? Not, we did not win that game. But was no. that the game that you played them really well? Yeah, all the way to the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so that was the close game. That was when you guys you scored a ton of points, right? So did they? They scored. Yeah, yeah it was a shootout, fifty forty or something like that. Yeah, it was. It was. I mean, we were in it till I want to say like the fourth quarter, and then they. They wound up winning, I think, by like 10 or something. Yeah, it was a lock of an over. That one paid out It was out like well. a 10, 10 and a half point spread, and I think they covered, they won by like nine. Kansas City won by nine or something. And they, they hit the over in the first four minutes of the game. So, uh, yeah. But anyway, they could do basically what they want with these tests. However, as it's lined out right now, unvaccinated, out 10 days, vaccinated, at least two days. You need two negative tests. 24 hours apart is what it is. So, 
Um, and, and that was being the stories. Uh, a couple of injuries and uh, a couple of uh, COVID deals. So coaches pitching and some people going out. You're right. Uh, Lamar Jackson was a big one. Uh, injuries, some of the other ones that just popped up as of recently. Uh, Matt Stafford, but it turned out his thumb is okay. Um, Ty- Tyreek Hill has missed a couple of practices with knee tendonitis. Kenny Galladay just got pulled out with a hammy. Uh, Brown's Anthony Walker, remember him for the Colts, linebacker. He's projected to start in the middle. He got hurt. So, you know, it's, it's injuries and COVID. That's the story of the preseason so far through about a week. But we'll get to see a little bit tomorrow with uh, some poor football between, you know, third stringers. So very exciting. Are you ready for how much, how more far along are you in your fantasy football planning at this point? Well, I don't know. I, look, when you're in our mindset, right, the eggy mindset, I believe that you probably follow football as much as I do. So I hope, I, like, while fantasy, while fantasy, the fantasy season ends, I literally read and listen to sporting football news. I, I mean, all year long. There isn't a day I miss. So. Am I am I any more prepared? Sure. I mean, I, I, we, training camp really needs to get like over for you to really understand where to go after the first like three or four rounds. But I think everybody's in agreement that actually follows football. Like our first four rounds or our first even five rounds, six rounds. Like it's just where you where the chips fall and and where your position in the draft is, which determines what players you're going to get. Yeah, I would say probably 75% of all, I don't know, people's pre-draft awards, if you will, 75% are probably very similar. And then the other 25% is probably flavor, right? People that you like, rookies you like, the way you like to draft. Um you know, I don't know, steals that you might have. But, you know, tiers tend to be kind of the same. Did you watch, speaking of, um, you know, similarities in draft boards, did you watch the CBS Sports Fantasy Football Podcast draft? I listened to the recap, and I watched the first two rounds uh, on that link that we were looking at. Yeah, I think I watched... I may have watched three or four rounds. I didn't watch much more than that because, um, as you saw, they had a they they had a a player a, a, a fan player in the draft who was auto drafting, which really killed for me following the whole thing. I think first round he might have had Austin Eckler. Jet, jet, jet boy pig, jet fam pig. Jet. <laughs> Is that who it was? Yeah, I don't know. Some weird name, right? And they were going to change the drafting for him, but when they picked Eckler, it was so far outside the norm that I think it was Eisenberg said, no, he must have moved him up there. There'd be no way for uh, him to uh, pick him otherwise. That was Chris Towers. That was Chris Towers? What? That's the- Chris Towers. Ta- Chris Towers is one of their is one of the analysts. That's who that's who drafted Eckler in the first round. Oh, really? All right, then then it was somebody. Else. Uh, uh, 
What are, are you you're talking about? Are you you're drinking? Talking about, are you slurping a big gigantic sorry. drink on the microphone? It was it was so good. Uh, <laughs> it sounded it. Holy shit! Oh my god! It, it was sounded so good. delicious. My um, throat is sore. Not just the the iced fruit punch really just killed. killed yeah. That, uh, that your, pain. Your, your throat and everybody's ears. <laughs> yep. Um. All right. So yeah, but. Uh, that draft just kind of shows how everything kind of, I don't know, it goes according to plan, minus the curveballs that player, you know, manager X or manager Y might draft out of nowhere. Whether it's a good good manager or a crapo manager that just takes a flyer on somebody. I would have said that Austin Eckler pick was a complete bomberoo, but that's just me. Um so anyway, we come into it. We we took a look at quarterbacks previously, and so we will jump into running backs now. So I will start. We we've been doing this the same way previous years. We'll do it again the same way this year, similar to how we did with the quarterbacks, and that is we'll do a tier system. It seems to be the most formulaic, presentable way to do a ranking system. Um, uh, obviously, me and you have different tiers because I tend to have more tiers. You tend to have less. So we'll start off with our tier one, and I'll let you go first. I'm going to be honest. I have four tiers, and then I have the quote-unquote the rest. That's what I have coming into this. Yeah, that's what I have. Oh, get the hell out of here. Wow. <laughs> I mean, I have. We must be I related, have... dude. We must be fucking related. Uh... I have numerous tiers after that, but they don't mean anything to me. Uh, yeah, I, I well, that's why I, I stopped after four and I just did the rest. Yeah, I, it doesn't matter after that anyway. Um, the the program I use to break down tiers just happens to create a new a, a set amount of tiers, so I just don't play with them after a certain amount of tiers because. You're just you're reaching and grasping based off of like I said before where the chips fall and what position you're in. So, I I mean, who? Why would it matter when you get to tier eight that uh, Jeff Wilson is ahead of Chuba Hubbard? Like you're if you have Christian McCaffrey, you're going to try and grab Chuba Hubbard eventually because that's supposedly his backup. Yes, later right. later in the game, you are going to be employing strategies to protect your risk, basically. Correct. Correct. Right, I'm with you. So, and just to define a couple of things before we start talking about it, if I happen to talk about points, we, we base everything kind of through a PPR lens. So, if you're in standard scoring, you're going to look at these things differently. And if I reference... Uh, Jesus, if it's not your uh, drinking cup, what was that? Did somebody rip a fart in the room? Oh, no. Let's see if I can... Um, I can't see the video, so I guess that's your I wife. know. I'll, I'll try and... There he is. Ah, look at that. Everybody, welcome to the stage. Uh, my sister-in-law, Alyssa, and my nephew, Christian, CJ. And so I don't necessarily know what the heck that sound was in the background. It did sound like uh, CJ was ripping uh, a nice one. Uh, but uh, like I said, between slurping on the microphone and uh, baby uh, farts or something, uh, we have gotten a, a bunch of audible treats coming from South Florida there and Eggy South. 
And it now looks as though we lost Eggy South. So let's try to get them back and then we will start up where we left off. Okay, so we are back. Chris, how are we? Have you attended Good. to your parental duties? Uh, yeah, attempt. Uh, you, you, there's no really like winning that battle. That's more like, hey, let's just let him scream his head off for whatever reason for however long and then throw him in the bathtub and... Game over, man. It's game over. You know it. Yeah. Welcome to fatherhood. That- that's it. Welcome to fatherhood. So, as I was saying, if we do reference um, points here, we do do PPR, and if I do throw averages in there, uh, it will be based on our scoring system, which is PPR, and that's what we're using here. So, it's one point, uh, full point per reception, uh, touchdowns are six, etc. So, everybody's league is unique and individual in the sense that they score it however. But for frame of reference, that's how these numbers that we might reference from our league uh, are done. So, uh, anyway. Oh, uh, yes! Ha-ha-ha! Cynical. Cynical. That was the word I was trying to think of as I stammered about 10 minutes ago. I don't mean to be a cynic, or I don't mean to be cynical, but the teams are not looking to get everybody vaccinated for their health more to keep the players on the field. All right, so back to where we were doing. We were talking about tiers, and I will let you kick it off in your tiers. Why don't we We'll start with tier one? So you can go. All right. Um, all right, so here's the way I kind of broke it down and what the kind of way I do it every single year, I, it'd be much easier, I guess, if you could, I don't know if, if there was a way we could break it down every year, that would be like round one versus round two versus round three versus round four. But that's not how I do it. I don't, I don't base my tears off of ADP. I do it more based off of who I could legitimately see as one of the top three running backs in tier one. And then tier two, I kind of do who can I see in the top 10. And then tier three is who I see who can be there, like a very, very low end uh, running back one all the way to like a, a low end running back two. Does that make sense? Completely. Um, The way I do it is a little bit different. Uh, Basically, I look at tier ones across the board, right? So a tier one to me, quarterback, running back, and wide receiver. And we factor our tight ends as wide receivers in our league. But I guess even if the tight ends were the same, I would look at it the same. And that would be a tier one player would be somebody per that position that can score in uh, you know the, the most that that can lock you in those high end points week after week, right? And so you know that's why I, I think I if I let me pull up my quarterbacks that I gave I had Patrick Mahomes there as the tier one, right? And he's really the only one I would see as a tier one because. His point production. Now we went through it, and obviously, you know, every scoring system's the same, but Mahomes seems to produce more points than the rest, and he puts it up there with the top 
quarter uh, running backs and the wide receivers. So, and then my top, my my second tier of running backs, uh, the same as all the other ones. My tier two is somebody. Okay, you know, if tier one is going to miss maybe a little bit, this person's going to be so solid they're going to be able to take a little bit of that load, or if Tier 1's good, this person's going to help catapult those two positions to high point totals. Um, and then 3 is a solid performer, 4 is, you know, I'm trying not to get burnt here. Everything after that is basically potluck to me. Um, well, not potluck, but you know what I'm driving at. So, Yeah. So, with the Tier 1 then, who did you put in there? How many people do you have in your Tier 1? Uh, I'm pulling it back up right now. Tier one, I have five people. I have four. Okay. So, well, we pro- you probably have the same four. Plus, I added somebody recently due to the magnificent news that all of the fantasy world was hoping for, and being that Aaron Rodgers got signed. So, okay. Um, I have McCaffrey. Check. I have him as well. Then the ne- next one's kind of tough. It, it, it's it's arguably Cook, but I, I have Kamara because I believe that they will have more of – he'll have more, much more of a role, especially with Michael Thomas being hurt. If he can, if he can even receive – of the targets that Thomas was going to receive, plus the work that he's already going to get, I mean, his, his value could skyrocket. So I have, I have both those players as well. Yeah. Kamara and cook. Uh, I don't, I look cook. The only injury is the only concern with cook is, can he stay, stay healthy the whole year? But you hate, basing your tiers and or projections off of is a guy going to get injured. So for this exercise, obviously cook is in there. Uh, Derek Henry. Yep. Once, I mean, he has so much work the past two years. I mean, he's over 400 touches two years in a row. That's an obscene amount, obscene amount of work. Uh, he can only regress. I mean, I, I've heard all the statistics about, how anybody who at, who had a 2,000-yard season averaged so-and-so yards per carry and what was their outcome the next year. I think they, they broke it down uh, of the seven guys who did it. And Barry Sanders was the closest, had the best year after a 2,000-yard season. Do you want to guess how many yards he had from scrimmage? Uh, Sanders, I remember his I, – I was – I, you, if I remember right, as a kid, you did a book report about Barry Sanders. Sanders was one of my favorite players. I had an offensive favorite player and a defensive favorite player. It was LT on one side of the ball and Barry Sanders on the other. I want to say after he had the 2,000-yard season, did he have like a 1,500-yard season? Close enough. Yeah, it was like 14 and change. Okay. It was like 14, 1470 or something. Right. But And the average yards per carry was down dramatically. So... I mean, if you take away, for instance, according to this exercise that I was listening to, if you take away from 5.4 to 4.5, you know, that's a dramatic drop on on 400 yards. You're losing a yard a carry for 400 carries. That's a lot. That's a lot of points, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, So... 
I always remember them talking about the carries as a very significant uh, factor and variable when looking at, uh, you know, fall off in the running back position. So, and the one I remember really big, and I'm picking it and I'm pulling it up as I'm talking here, is Jamal Anderson from the Falcons because he blew up and had a monster season. And so as I pull his up, Derrick Henry last year had 378 carries for his 2,000-plus yards at 5.5 and a carry, 17 touchdowns. Now, Jamal Anderson, he had, going into his big season, he had 290 carries for 1,000 yards. And then this is 1998. He was 26 years old. He had 410 carries for 1,800 yards, 14 touchdowns. And then the next year, he blew his knee out. And he really only had one more good year after that, and that was two years later uh, at 28. He had 282 carries for about 1,000 yards. Uh, I think he injured himself again the year after that, and he was out of the league. So um, Henry here, to go through, his first two years were kind of spot duty because they still had DeMarco Murray. So he had 110 carries, 117 carries, and only 215 the year after that. And so the past two years is when he got his heavy workload at 300 and 378. So, yes, he took a beating, as you were referring to him, 2,000-yard season, and Barry Sanders. Um, and I, Terrell Davis, too, right? He had the 2,000-yard season, and then he hurt himself soon thereafter. Yeah. Are you sure Henry didn't have 400 touches? The p- yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking at it right here. I'm, I'm staring at it. Um, last year was 378 for 2,000 carries and 27. If you're looking at a fantasy football book, I may you might be looking at projections for this year, but I'm looking at ESPN stats right now, and it's 378 for 2,027 yards. How many how many catches did he have? Uh oh, receiving he had nothing. He had 19 receptions for uh 31 targets, 19 receptions, 114. I mean, he is the true throwback to the 80s, 90s running back. He just carries the rock. So yeah, 397 touches. Uh oh, you're talking about? Oh, talk- okay. Yeah, I'm just talking right, about right, rushing so- attempt. I I don't care about. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. 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 I'm sorry. All right. I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. So he had, including the playoffs, he had over 400 touches, right? Because that that only includes regular season. What you're talking about? Yeah, sure. I, I mean, right, right. Again, I don't know. So they were saying they were saying two years in a row that he's had over or almost 400 yards, 400 touches in a season. That's an incredible amount. Like that's insane. And the dude's what 26, 27 now. Uh, I don't have his age up here, but uh, here it is, 27. He's 27. So, I mean, he right. came in the year. I mean, this is going to be it, right? I mean, usually running backs uh, are on the back nine once they start heading approaching 28, right? I mean, you saw David Johnson. He got banged up. He, he fell off. I, you could go through 8 million people. You know, Curtis Martin was basically done at 30. Uh, other big-name people that are just popping in uh, that are recent or very much in the past. Uh, however, yeah, so he's 27, so this is going to be it. I mean, you would imagine that if Derrick Henry is a beast, he'll probably have maybe two more years of this before there's some kind of fall-off just from wear and tear. But or you never it could know. be Frank Gore. 
Yeah, I, Frank Gore was never a Derrick Henry, right? Uh, it was just a different animal. But um, So I do have Henry in my Tier 1. So that leaves one more player for you in your Tier 1 because I only have four, and those were my four. Yeah. Uh, I believe, and uh, if I'm not mistaken, Aaron Jones, who is my fifth player in Tier 1, okay, has finished running back... One uh, running back in the top five of running backs the past two or three seasons. Yes, he's done very well. And here on average, again, frame of reference, this is our scoring system, heavily PPR. He actually was one, two, three, four, fifth in average points per game. Yeah. So I I have those four in my tier. I, I rank them... Cook, Kamara, McCaffrey, and Henry uh, in that order. And the reason why is McCaffrey, I just have some hesitation about him coming off injury, being able to produce his old numbers, especially in a new regime, right? Because this is Matt Rule's second year with the team, but he we don't really know what Matt Rule and McCaffrey would be like this year because he didn't really get to use them last year. He, he was notching a bunch of points. Uh, he was averaging 30.8 points for you know the amount of time he played. So it looked good, but again, you don't really know because the population size is so small. And I just I have a feeling that it might be a a regression here for McCaffrey. So I put Cook and Kamara only because they've shown year after year that they get the touches and minus Cook getting injured, you know, they usually get the points too. McCaffrey's a little bit of a question mark, and then I have Henry just for the sheer fact that I, you know, that that's what they're going to do. Right? That, that's the Titans' mo, right? I mean, it's Henry, and then some Ryan Tannehill, you know, smattered around. Um, and so that that's that's it for my tier one. You have Jones in there, so we'll bounce to tier two. Uh, how many people do you have in your tier two? By well, the I mean, way, just oddly enough, I, I in in terms of average, the average uh, for our league went McCaffrey, Kamara, Cook, and then Henry, and then Jones after that. So uh, again, basically, it, it's I think you're almost close to your one through five in that order. Um, so tier two is where we go next. So tier oh, two, yeah, I, didn't even, I didn't even realize that it's exactly what it was. It was McCaffrey, Kamara, Cook, Henry, Jones. Yep, that that's what it was. So that's funny how that happens. Um, wow. So all right, so we're into tier two now, and now where are you going to go there? So this is this is the probably the toughest tier I think to kind of break down because, like I said before, these were the guys that I believe could finish. You know, all the way up to, I don't think anyone's going to, if McCaffrey plays 17 games, McCaffrey's going to be number one. I, I don't think anyone's going to argue with that. Um, but these are guys that I could for, definitely foresee finishing as a top three with things that fall their way. Now, Ezekiel Elliott starts off this tier. Okay. If, if he plays the way that he was playing when Prescott was healthy, he would have been probably top three, right? I mean, he was averaging like 20 points a game, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, well, I will... Let, let me see if I can pull up. Continue on, and I'll see if I can't pull up his game. Right, so so he was incredible. He was incredible before what's-his-name got hurt, before Prescott got hurt. And then he had to spend the rest of the season kind of, you know, 
living with a, a really poor offensive line and, and a quarterback who, just a quarterback mayhem. Yeah, the Cowboys fell apart big time. So Yeah. Uh, and in his first, now when did Dak go down? Week four. Oh, it was or, versus the Giants, right? It was versus the Giants. Right. And so that was, there it was. So up until the Giants, he had 96 yards, 89 yards, 34 yards, 54. In that Giant game, he had 91. And then he ended up, he only got over 80 yards twice again the rest of the season. That was yeah. uh, versus the Vikings. He had 103 and versus the Phillies second week uh, from the end. Next to the last game, he had 105. But the rest yeah. of the season was really shoddy. So, uh, yeah. Right. Like the, first, like the first five games, fantasy points, 28, 22, 18, 20, 23. Like he, he was killing it. Yeah, Killing it fell. It. I mean, you can just see it. It's like a line in the sand, and it falls off yeah. after yeah. after the giant loss. So giant apparently team, he's but. apparently he's losing weight and trying to get in better shape. Blah 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 blah. But we'll see. We'll see. We'll see how good that team is with with a Prescott who's already hurt. So you go with Zeke, again. okay? So Eckler is in here now. I personally think Eckler is better than most do because I'm, I'm in love as, as you probably know, I love the, the uh, running backs, the pass catching running backs. Like I'm, I, I just think they're the go-to. They no. are the, they are what makes. I got like you. James White. I got, I, I got you here. Uh, however, you, you put Austin Eckler in tier two. I, I have to, I, I, I am going to differ, but I'll get to that later when I mention Eckler. But okay, so you got Eckler in tier two. But mainly because one, he was hurt the beginning of last year. I mean, his hamstring separated from his bone. So, like, it was a really serious injury that kept him out a lot of the year. And then he came back and... Eckler was pretty good. I mean, I'd have to pull up his logs to go through each one, but we don't have time for all that. So No, but I could just give you the, the raw stats uh, for for him. Um, I just I just had it, and here it is. So last year, he only played in 10 games. In those 10 games, he had 530 yards rushing, uh, 54 receptions for 403 yards. So total yards of 933. You want to use a, a better comparison, you can go to the year before in 19, where he had 557 yards in the ground, 993 yards uh, through the air, and that was based on 92 receptions, which gave him 1,500 yards, 1,550 exactly, and 11 touchdowns. So that's where you're referring to the high uh, pitch count, if you will, uh, through the air. And that's the PPR getting 92 receptions is huge. Right. Right. So I mean, I, the dude's the dude's good. I mean, he averages, in, in regards to fantasy points, he, he averaged well over 10 points a game, and, and he was, I mean, it was like 15, 16 points a game. And that's really good for at least RB2 status. Right? Yeah, with, and they with, do... With, they, oh, go continue. My, sorry, my apologies. I was, I, no, that's right. I'm saying that's in regards to fantasy. We're talking NFL. It's different than fantasy. But in regards to, in, in regards to fantasy, 16, point, 16 points per game is you'll take that every day of the week from one of your running backs with a high-end of, you know, what, 25, 30? 
like that could be the that's the ceiling. That's really good. Yeah, I, I, again, that's the, it's the potential of Eckler, which is why I'm not in on him. However, to your point, they do have a new offensive coordinator with Joe Lombardi coming in after being with the Saints for a couple of seasons, like four or five. And obviously, if you're looking at the Saints. Uh, offensive attack and strategy, you just look at Kamara. So what you're hoping for is that Eckler's 2019 season combined with a new offensive coordinator who is based in uh, offense that utilizes the running back as much as the Saints did, that you hit this potential that you're talking about. And I get it. Uh, Again, I will say I have him. He's in my rest category, the rest, because I, I just, I can't get my hands around the idea that Austin Eckler is this baller. I just, I haven't seen it when he, that one season when they had Gordon, Gordon went out and and Eckler could have been the man. He just dropped the ball and then they proceeded to draft more running backs, right? They have Jackson and Kelly back there and I just can't, uh, I I can't catapult uh, Eckler from up into the second round. But you did, and I understand the rationale behind it. So that's, like I said, that's the flavor behind, you know, somebody's ranking system. So, all right, so you got Eckler in Tier 2. Continue. So uh, you got Zeke and plus uh, plus Eckler. Right, and then I got the basics that everyone's going to talk about, like Jonathan Taylor, who who ended last season yep. as a monster. I have him in Tier 2 as well, as I Everybody, do Eckler. Uh, not Eckler. Right, um, Everybody has their concerns because of the the injury now on the offensive line, the injury to the quarterback. What is he going to do? How is he going to perform? How is that offense going to look with Jacob Eason behind the the center? I, who knows? You know, we're going to have to see how good Jonathan Taylor actually is. He has an unbelievable pedigree. If you remember him in college, he was a monster. Yes, very good, and, and he had a good season last year. So obviously, offensive. Um, uh, the offensive, uh, I guess, uh, potential again. Uh, potential. How many times can I say potential? Anyway, uh, for lack of better word, but the offensive potential is obviously in question because you do have injuries to Nelson. You have injuries to their uh, their center, I think, is banged up. And then, obviously, Wentz is on the IR uh, because he's got surgery the same as Nelson. So, yep. But otherwise, Jonathan Taylor, I also have him in Tier 2. And I'm going to leave him there, at least for now. Yeah. Um, Barkley's here, too. I I have I him guess. here as well. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm never going to draft him. Not after all these injuries. Someone's going to take a, a, a shot at him. I'm not, but... It's a flyer. I mean, it also does not sound like he's going to be there week one. So I, I am having a lot of question about his actual health. Right. Raw talent, the dude should be top three. Unfortunately, he has had a terrible go at it in regards to injuries. So, so go uh, on, Sniffles. Sorry. Nick Chubb is in here. Nick Chubb is just so good. I never take him. He's, I mean, he's he's so good every year. He's he's almost like like draft proof, right? Like you can't you can't go wrong with Nick Chubb. Yeah, I got him in tier two as well, and the guy just got paid, but he didn't get a huge monster contract. So there's part of me that, and, and I think it was a small, maybe it was a three year extension. I just I just had I did the story about it the other day, and I forgot it uh, already. But um, I kind of I don't think this is going to be the hey I got a big contract and now I'm going to you know put it into neutral. I, I have a feeling 
you know, this is going to be a contract trying to lead to one more big nut contract in a couple of years. Um, but yes, I have Nick Chubb in my tier two as well. Yeah, I, I agree with you too. I, I mean, unfortunately, he can't get that much money because they have Kareem Hunt there too. So yeah, I don't. I, I don't. Cleveland's not going to pay him. They're not going to pay him when they have Kareem Hunt behind them. Yeah, well, he could have done the hard-nosed running back strategy of playing out the contract and then either sitting out and you know sitting out of camp. Or he could have done the Le'Veon Bell thing where he did the franchise tag, franchise tag, and then did the sit-out. I mean, there was a couple of things that he did. And as it was, he signed an extension for a couple of years that only put him on average at sixth amongst running backs. But that might be now what the running back position is. I, I think Barkley down the road with his contract is going to be a disaster for the Giants because you look at this signing with Chubb and I just don't think the money's there for what you would think a second round pick in the draft would net at a skilled position who had at least a, a solid great fir first season plus a second one. But anyway, I digress there about Barkley, but Chubb um, you know, I, I don't know. It, it kind of feels like he's going to try to grind out another two years and then maybe do another re renegotiation for a, a little bit more or at least lock up an extension and get more guaranteed money uh, before he's on the back nine. But yes, I, yeah, you know, obviously yeah. there's limitations because of Hunt. But I too have uh, Nick Chubb in my tier two. Yeah. Uh, and then the next three guys are Kinda in here just because they're the number ones. They have the opportunity. That's Najee Harris, who we don't know anything about. Okay, um, I gotcha. Who who could very easily be in tier three? I I really don't know that much about him other than he's from Alabama and he was really good. Yep, gotcha. Like really good. Uh, Antonio Gibson, who has the potential to, as long as JD McKissick doesn't step on him, he he could. Easily finished in the top 10 of running backs. Yep. Uh, and then my boy J.K. Dobbins, who I think is actually probably the most talented. Uh, I, I, I mean, it's a bold statement, but of all these guys here, I think he could actually, he should be higher, but if not for Gus Edwards. If Gus Edwards wasn't there, he, J.K. Dobbins would be in my top five. Well, Gus Edwards isn't there right now, thanks to COVID. COVID has put him on the mend. So yeah. Dobbins is going to be seeing as much preseason action as you're going to see a starter, starting running back get in the preseason. But uh, I agree with you uh, about these players. However, this is, like we said, where the flavor comes in a little bit because I have the three last people that you talked about here, Dobbins, Harris, and Gibson, in my Tier 3. So, does that wrap up your Tier 2? Yeah. Okay, so, like I said, very similar. I have, of your Tier 2, well, let's say I have 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. So, I have 6 players in Tier 2. I had 4 in Tier 1, 6 in Tier 2. Of the 6 that I have, you also have 1, 2, 3, 4 of the 6 in your Tier 2. 
Um, I have uh, Aaron Jones. He comes in as my top of Tier 2. He was actually in your Tier 1, so obviously very similar in that regard. After that, I had Nick Chubb. That's where I put Nick Chubb this year because I'm just a huge Nick Chubb fan, and consistency, if for nothing else, has been Nick Chubb. I know he uh, he missed a couple of games last year. I think he only had 10 on the docket, but when he came back, he was great. Then I have Zeke. Obviously, the question mark about Zeke is, was the second half of last year more predictive of this year, or was the first five games or so before the Dak Prescott injury? So I knocked him here behind Chubb. After that, I put Saquon. I really don't even want to put Saquon in the second tier, but pure potential, you have to, right? I mean, if he plays and he returns to form, he probably is a tier one player. To me, there's just way too many question marks at this point to have him any higher than tier two. And following Barkley, I had Joe Mixon and then Jonathan Taylor. So that's how I rounded out mine. Jonathan Taylor is, is is starting to have a lot more question marks in my mind, depending on the health of that line and what happens there with the Colts. But as of right now, he closes out my Tier 2. So, And I'll kick off Tier 3 because three of your guys are in my Tier 3. And that is J.K. Dobbins, Najee Harris, and Antonio Gibson. I have two players ahead of them, and that is, to start off my Tier 3, I have Josh Jacobs, your boy, in the Raiders. Hello. Um, I know that last year wasn't as solid as the year before. However, his rookie year was great. So I have him at the top of the Tier 3 here, filed by Miles Sanders. Now, Miles Sanders burnt everybody last year. I mean, it was an outright disaster for Miles Sanders fans. But later in the year, he started to come around a little bit. So I don't know. I just there's something about the pedigree and the fact that the Eagles. I mean, he's basically the Eagles guy. So I put him here at the second spot of tier three. Then it goes Dobbins, Harris, and Gibson, who we talked about. And I wrapped up my tier three with DeAndre Swift from the Lions, only because he's their guy. Dan Campbell's old school, uh, you know, old school football. On top of being a complete stupid meathead, uh, very much in the same vein. As as Mike Singletary, uh, you know, it just looks like this guy is going to do the same run the ball, play defense. That's what we do. Uh, and they're going to have to because, I mean, shit, their, quarter, their quarterback is uh, is terrible. So, you know, he is goffle, right? So, uh, so uh, that, uh, that kicks it to you for your tier three. All right. So, did you have Montgomery? I do not have Montgomery. Uh, he is in my tier four. But he is on the top of my tier four, so he's almost tier three. Oh, I have him. Uh, you really underestimate how good he was last year. He was great. He was great. I I always just have questions about teams that are in flux, and when you have a quarterback uh, transition, such as what will happen this year in Chicago. I don't know how that affects the game. It really doesn't affect the the running back game, I guess, all that much. But I just these other guys. I you know I guess I could flip flop Montgomery and Swift, right, and put Swift at the top of three and Montgomery at the bottom of four. Um, but you know you compare Montgomery to these other guys. I, I like Jacob Sanders, Dobbins. Uh, Harris, I mean, he's a rookie, so I mean, Montgomery's more of a proven commodity than Harris, but I mean, they just drafted him, they got rid of Connor, so Harris is going to be the Steelers guy. 
So that's why I put him up there. Gibson, solid performer, plus year two in uh, in Rivera's offense. And so, you know, again, I mean, I have him top of, of tier four, but you have him in tier three, obviously. Yes, I and I just moved Gibson out of tier two. I changed my mind. I don't know. You know, I I don't I don't even know why. I don't like Washington. That's just me being biased. But um, yes, Montgomery is at the top of my tier three. Actually, I I don't, and that's mainly because of one thing. He doesn't have any competition for carries. No, he has he none. And zero. Very much like uh, Saquon Barkley, Tariq Cohen is also not going to be back for week one. It, uh, I mean, it sounds like. And who knows how good he's going to be this year. So there's really nothing left back there. Nothing. So That's why that's why Najee Harris is getting so much press is because he has nobody. He, Najee Harris, he literally has every carry lined up for him. Right. And, you know, Montgomery has a few here and there. Yeah, and Montgomery's ticked up over the past two years, so for in 2019 for the Bears, he had about 900 yards, and then only 25 catches for a buck 85 through the air. However, last year, he had 1,070 yards, 8 touchdowns, 54 receptions for 438 yards, so he did get 50-plus receptions last year. So Montgomery, you know, does show solid stats through two years of play. So I, I I could see him being tier three, like I said. Uh, yeah. And there's nothing there. There's nothing yeah. you know there to and compete about. You know their their lines their their line has always been a little little iffy. The Bears though. So I mean, if they could get a better performance out of that line, I you, those numbers probably could dial up a little bit. Yeah. So. Next on this, I have who everybody hated last year, which is Miles Sanders. I hated him too, but, I mean, he is at the top of the depth chart. I mean, there's a lot of people, a lot of running backs on that team. Not They're, they're all not going to make it, but uh, I guess he's, you know, who who knows? We, that that offense is, is has so many question marks. Who knows how it's going to run with uh, Jalen Hurts as their quarterback? I, I don't know. So Montgomery or Miles Sanders? Now let let me throw this at you: is that last year Montgomery? Now they had to change uh, the offensive line of Chicago, right? So they went with like an outside outside zone uh, running uh, strategy at the end of last year, and through the final, let me see, the the six after Thanksgiving playoff game or. or games after Thanksgiving, six games, he had 600 yards rushing. So he averaged about 100 yards rushing each each game, uh, seven touchdowns over that. And here is Miles Sanders. Um, obviously, he had a solid performance in, uh, in 2019, and it looked like he was going to be the guy. And then last year came down through 12 games because he was injured. He had 867 with six rushing touchdowns, but only 28 receptions for a buck 97. However, in 2019, Sanders had 50 receptions for 509 yards. So his 2019 reception performance was more reflective of Montgomery's last year. So if you had those two guys, which one do you go with? You have Montgomery on top? Yes. Okay. Hundred percent. I I have zero interest in 
uh, Miles Sanders in the second or third round this year. And that's mainly not because of what happened last year, getting burned by him, but if you look at their depth chart and you see all those names, that doesn't scare me about what talent is on there. It scares me in regards to how much opportunity he's actually going to get. Are they actually going to use him for rushing and passing downs? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, there's just no real competition for him in that. I mean, it's the same cast of characters, right? You know, like what? It, it's uh, Scott, right? Uh, Scott is, is one of his backups. and Car- on Johnson. Oh, that's right. They got carry on my wayward son. Um, yeah, I, I mean, who knows? I, I guess the carry on thing, I guess, would scare me a little bit. Again, I, I the Lions just booted him. So I the Lions had no faith in him either. Uh, but whatever. I guess we'll play it out. So but, you got. But one. what I'm saying is, we want our ideal situation is a guy that plays what 85, 80% of the snaps. Yeah, right? I got that's you. what we yep. want. Like I can't, I can't guarantee that with a Boston Scott who all he does is play third downs, right? And then a a on Johnson who could vulture how many touchdowns from within the five yard line. Yeah, the argument you make, I, I kind of, uh, you know, now I'm, I, I think I may have ranked Montgomery a little too low. Maybe I should have kicked him up into three. I can't go backwards now. But um, Sanders, I, again, it's just the potential that I saw in his rookie season factored in with what a shit show last year was that I, I'm for whatever reason I am gravitating more toward his rookie season being more reflective of the potential than last year. But I got you. So you I mean we both have him in tier three. So you just yeah, I get it. You I mean you have you have in your tiers, breaking down your sure tiers, you have a Josh Jacobs ahead of him who was just Given a year ago was said, the coach said, this is my guy. He's going to be great. A year later, they pay another running back $14 million in being Kenyon Drake to back him up. Yeah, but look, in today's NFL, you need two running backs. And I saw that move very much as the same play as Kareem Hunt still being on the Browns in the sense that Here's our rookie running back, and that would be obviously Jacobs or Chubb. And here is our veteran, that being Hunt or Drake. And if we run into some kind of running back issue with contracts, we have a guy there in the wings waiting to take over, and we can rely on them and not get caught. So that's kind of how I looked at the Drake thing. I didn't see it as a competitive Item, I thought it was complimentary and maybe a replacement down the road, but not right now. So, and that's why I put Jacobs where I did. Right, but here's what I'm saying to you: Tier one and two are unquestioned. Right, nobody, nobody ever questions those guys. They're getting the rock. They're getting all the work. We know that they're going to get the opportunity. When you start to get to tier three, in my opinion, I'm looking for guys who are going to supersede the situation and actually have as much opportunity as possible to maybe even jump into Tier 1 or 2. 
Okay, I, I mean, that's fine. I, I got you. I, I, I see it. I, I don't think any of the guys from Tier 3, to me, are going to go up to Tier 2 and Tier 1. That that was kind of like where I, I'm looking at them. So these Tier 3 guys, they're good guys, but I am not going to look at them as, you know, premier crazy point performers. I'm going to hope for that, but, you know, if I get burnt on a Tier 3 guy, it's not going to impact my final roster the same as a Tier 1 or Tier 2 player will. Right, I, I can yeah. swing and miss on a tier three. Yeah, for sure. And so that that that's how I weighted mine. But I, I understand what you're saying with the way that you look at your tier three. Yeah, yeah. So that's why I have Montgomery here. I moved Gibson here. I have Sanders here. I have Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Oh yeah, okay. Who, who's kind of tough, but opportunity is is what matters, right? Isn't that 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 is the key to to fantasy? It's it's just how much opportunity each guy has. DeAndre Swift is unquestioned their number one, but they did sign Jamal Williams, who's going to steal some of that passing down. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I mean, but nothing I think of significance. But but continue. Right. Joe Mixon, who I just have zero faith in. I, I don't know why people oh, man, love Mixon's him so Mixon's so good. <laughs> I love Mixon. He's, he's good, but... And there's just too much talent on that team. That that they built that team to be a passing team, not a rushing team. I mean, Mixon, uh, Mixon at his best though is such a big point performer. I mean, his potential is up there with all of them. But uh, you know, whatever. Again, that's potential, right? That's why he's in tier three for me, right? That that's just that's just sure. who he is. Um, and then at the at the turn of tier three, tier four, I have Jacobs and Carson. Okay, so tier three, tier four. Okay, uh, and Carson. Okay, right, like Kareem Hunt, Josh Jacobs, Chris Carson. Those three can can fluctuate between the end of tier three, beginning of tier four for me. So, so go on to your tier four since you're there already. So these are the guys that I think we're going to find out a lot in training camp. The training camp battles, like a Mostert, right? Is he's hurt? Uh, not uh, is he hurt or is Jeff Wilson hurt? One of them is hurt. Um, but we're gonna see how good Mostert is versus this new rookie Sermon, Trey Sermon. Right. Um, you know that kid was really good at Ohio State. You know, is he gonna is he gonna get some touches? He gonna steal some touches? Uh, this is where you have the Fournette Jones battle, right in Tier Four. Uh, I have the James Robinson and Travis Etienne battle here. Okay. Um, I guess you could throw, you know, Damian Harris in here. This I don't outside of Cam Newton. Who else is going to run the ball there? Gotcha. Um, Miles Gaskin, who apparently people love, who just happens to be another name to, yeah, to carry the ball. I'm with you there. I don't know what to make of Gaskin, and I, I didn't watch enough of him last year. I just followed the numbers. I just didn't watch enough of Dolphins football, but I just don't see. They, I don't. Miles Gaskin does not capture my fancy at all. So right. I could be wrong with it. Obviously, maybe you know, week three of the preseason, I'll wait to see what he does uh, on the field. Uh, but again, I, I just don't know. You know, last year he only he played ten games, five hundred eighty-four yards, uh, forty-one receptions, which was solid for three eighty-eight. Uh, combined total of five touchdowns through the ten uh, through the ten games. So right. 
So, and then you have the other, the last two battles. And what I mean by this is, and part of my, I'm getting more and more stuffed up as we go on. <laughs> yeah, you sound like absolute shit, buddy. I'm sorry. <laughs> I feel bad for you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I feel bad for but, you. Wow. Um, like the Arizona matchup, is it going to be Chase Edmonds? Is it going to be James Cotter? Whichever one of those wins out that battle, I, I wouldn't mind taking a stab at him in round four or, or in tier four. And then the uh, this Melvin Gordon-Javante Williams battle. Right. Okay. Um, does that wrap up your four? Yeah, that's it. Okay. That's it. So, uh, and I'm, I'm sorry, I'm trying to put the pedal to the metal here uh, to uh, approach the uh, goal, goal line and save on some time. But uh, my tier four... So I have some of what I have a couple of your tier threes here, and then I do have at least one of your tier fours, if not a, a couple other ones. So, like I said, I had David Montgomery there at the top. Uh, obviously, he could fluctuate uh, in in three with Swift, like I was saying, but I have him at the top of four here. Then I have C H C E H. I follow him by Chris Carson. Then I have, and this is, I don't know, I might be out of my mind for this one. I put Mike Davis next on the Falcons only because he had a solid season last year and he is really the only thing now in the Falcons' backfield. So I just, I can't see him not getting touches. And if you have a a player that's going to play at least the first two downs, if not all three, um, with some pedigree, not to mention they signed him, to come in and perform uh, in that Falcons offense has always tried to run the ball, you know, before last year's disaster with Gurley, uh, the years before that was with Freeman. So, and Freeman always had pretty solid potential until he started getting a little old in tooth and a little banged up. So I put Mike Davis there, followed him by Chase Edmonds and then Kareem Hunt. I did put Kareem Hunt in four because he, I don't really look at him as a handcuff. Chubb and Hunt very much work with each other. It's not like the one goes up and the other goes down. They kind of both go off at the same time, a la, if you remember, uh, the late 80s or early 90s? I think late 80s, Kansas City Chiefs, Barry Word, Christian Akoya. It was Akoya at first, then they brought in Word, and then they were kind of using both of them at the same time. Uh, but the let's see some of the numbers here for Kareem Hunt, if I can find him. Here you go. So last year, for instance, played in all 16 games, had 841 reception or re- rushing yards, 38 receptions for 304 yards, and then a combined total of 11 touchdowns. So and that was smattered all over the Nick Chubb uh, performances. So they kind of work independent. And for me, uh, I put him at four because I like that production. Plus, if Chubb ever goes down, obviously you have the number one play in that backfield, which puts him up there because, you know, obviously either one of these guys, if they go down, the other one's going to go up. And if they both perform well together, that's just uh, an added bonus in the case of injury. So that's what I did for my tier four. And then uh, some of the guys that you mentioned, I just have in the rest. And then after this, you know, I, I kind of have a, 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 a skeletal lineup. But these are the guys that you mentioned, like Miles Gaskin, Daryl Henderson. I was thinking about putting him up, but, I mean, not even the Rams are sold on Daryl Henderson. So I, I can't put him in tiers one through four, right? No, I don't have him anywhere. I, I just, I had him last year when he had the opportunity to do it. And he's like... 
He's an RB3 at he, best. He had that eight. one good game, though, where he had monster, monster no, numbers. No, he had a three-game out of four-game stretch where he scored 18 fantasy points per game. And so everybody was like, that's it. He's the one. And then yeah, but they won- a l- Go on. Finish. <laughs> he gets a little banged up, and it was Cam Akers. That's it. That's it. It was all Cam Akers from that point forth. And it was after it was after a bye week. It, they went to bye, and when they came out of the bye, that's right. They he came, was yes. That was yes. It. They flipped the yeah. switch and they went right with right with Akers. So now I, I, you know I'm just kind of eyeing him a little bit only because Akers isn't there, and prior to the bye week, Henderson looked good. He did look good. So I have him here toward the top of uh, my rest category. I have Gaskins only Gaskin only because he is, you know, what the Dolphins have. Uh, then I have Eckler. I, Eckler probably, I'm not doing him justice here. He probably is not a rest guy. He is at least, at, I would say, tier three or tier four. I just stay away from him. I just can't get behind him. I don't like the two running backs. Um, that they have. Otherwise, Jackson and, and Kelly just sitting there behind them. So that's why I threw him down here. And then a lot of these other guys, they just get knocked for me because they're handcuffs, right? Javante Williams, Melvin Gordon. I, I don't know what to do with the, those two. So that puts them in this because if you got one, you got to get the other. Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette. I, I don't know which guy's going to be the guy. So you probably have to pick both. Uh, you know, AJ Dillon, he's got he's a handcuff primarily to Aaron Jones. But if Jones ever went out, or if they ever wanted to lean a little bit more on Dillon, he looked good when he was in there. Zach Moss, Devin Singletary, same thing, right? They they drafted both of them. One was supposed to take the lead. The other guy was supposed to take the lead. Moss was supposed to be the the, the short yardage guy. Singletary, none of them really you know rose to the top. So you're stuck putting them you know down in a handcuffed area. Um, then you got the Jaguars backfield, which you, James Robinson, had they not drafted Travis Ation, I would have put I, I would have put him all the way up, probably tier three, if not tier two. He had a fantastic year. Yeah, uh, oh. tier two is a bold, bold statement, though. Well, without without Ation there, I, who else would they have had? I mean, he's. Uh. But that was a whole different coaching staff, a whole different, a new quarterback, a, a new defense. Like it's it's totally different. I, you, I, I I understand that. However, I'm just saying on potential, the the shown potential here, through 14 games as a rookie, he had a thousand and seventy yards, seven touchdowns, 49 receptions for 344, three more touchdowns, a total of 1400 yards and 10 touchdowns. I mean, on a shitty yeah. Jacksonville team. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, people would have definitely, if there was no ATN, people would definitely probably have reached, yes. Yeah, uh, definitely. And so, uh, who else? I, you know, I, Rohim Mosert, I like him, but I just don't know what to make of him. Uh, Damian Harris is one that I keep eyeing, and I really like him. I just gassed on him the past couple of years, so I might be souring on him because of recency bias. But... Harris, healthy and at his prime, is easily a, a tier three guy. I think. Not he, with Cam as quarterback. Well, again, that factors into putting him in here with the rest. Is he's that just going to keep? He's just going to keep stealing touchdowns. That's just who he is. That's what he does. Yeah, I. You know, everybody said this for years on end, but 
Belichick just does not ever favor one big-time running back. It's just been tough, to, which is why uh, what's-his-face always is the play, right? Um, uh, why, oh my James God. White. James White, yes. Why is he's always the play? Because he, he always gets the receptions guaranteed. Right. Uh, you know, so... Um, and so that's where I put all these handcuff guys. And, and you know, like, of this, of this rest grouping that I'm referring to, I would say Miles Gaskins, Daryl Henderson, Austin Eckler, and probably Damian Harris um, are the ones that I'm eyeing. And then the rest of these are handcuffs, so I don't know what to do with them. Rookies, I will, I will say there's one rookie that I've been looking at that I don't know. I'm definitely going to take a flyer at him at some point, and that's Michael Carter from the Jets because I have a feeling they're going to utilize him a ton. It just a just a, a gut feeling. I, I kind of feel that they're going to go with the youth movement here and with the new – remember, it's a new, it's a new coach here in Sala, and the way that they've been running that organization seems to have a, a, a very – defined approach outside of the coach. And so, you know, I don't know. All of it leads me to think that Michael Carter might get some serious PT this year. So, uh, other than that, I, you know, the rest of these guys are just, uh, you know, they're kind of hot garbage, you know. You know, you, you yeah. have Philip Lindsay and David Johnson. I gassed on Johnson last year. He's old as shit now, so he's done. Uh, Giovanni Bernard, he's old, you know, and he went to the Buccaneers. So now, I, what the hell do you do with him? He's a third handcuff, I guess. It's just, you know. So, is there any players that we have not mentioned that you have looked at or think is worth mentioning? Uh, not really. I, I mean, you you could talk about this for a very long time once you get past that certain level, but. Uh- yeah, let's. Lay. I guess, I guess the the one. I don't know. I, I I guess if you're talking about like deep, 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 deep. Uh, um, a guy mentioned earlier today, a, a deep sleeper, like a Chuba Hubbard. You're probably gonna want McCaffrey's backup. I, I yeah, would, I got after you. What happened la- last year? You don't want to overlook that. Um, what? and then you're talking. That, I'm sorry. Oh, no, I was going to say, to that end, it's kind of when you look at the potential and sleepers and things that we might have not talked about, I guess really the point that you look at is kind of the rookie running back class, right? So that's Harris, Ation, Javante Williams, Trey Sermon, Michael Carter, and you just threw in Hubbard there. Right, right. I mean, he's pretty deep down there, but I, I, I who knows? I After watching what happened last year where – you know, Barkley went down again, and McCaffrey went down. Like you, you real. I if I'm gonna get that high of a draft pick, I'm gonna make sure I'm gonna have some sort of backup plan because that that really screws people up. Right, which is where the Saquon Barkley pick is very complicated because you can't even get a handcuff for him. Booker, I, I guess, but shit, they just went and signed Alfred Morris. So if they have all that confidence in Devontae Booker, why do you go out and get Alfred Morris when it looks like Barkley's not going to play? Just to have another body in there? He's a body. He's like a $100,000 body. What the hell do they care? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, he does come on the cheap, right? But I thought the yeah. Giants also drafted somebody. Yeah, six-round Gary Brightwell, um, more, you know, utility player. 
Um, again, but I, I guess you could get Booker. But if you lose, if you lose Barkley, you're just getting a fall off. You know, of point production when you throw Booker in there. It, you know, it, it's Saquon or bust. Some of these other guys yeah. you you can get backups for. But um, all right, so. That kind of wraps up the tiers. Is there any in uh, as we punch out here? Are there any kind of strategic uh, thinkings that you have regarding the running back position before we punch out? Do you like them more than wide receivers this year? Not as much. Are you scared of anything? No, I, I like them. I like them a lot this year. I, I think that if you're going to go early, go what we talked about, which is that that playing time. You want somebody who's got over 80% history rate of, of actually playing and, and getting the rock. Uh, if you're going to go mid-round, I'd get, I I really like the guys who are in my Tier 3 who are going to have an opportunity to catch the ball as well, like a Miles Sanders, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, DeAndre Swift, who just got hurt, by the way, during this podcast. Who did? Swift. Did he really? Yeah, I don't know. He I keep practice. hitting refresh trying to uh, find some news, and I didn't see it. But okay. Yeah, he left practice early. I mean, that's but what you want. That you want that opportunity to catch to catch passes. I mean, that that's it. And then finally, uh, the only guy I haven't mentioned a word about was Aaron Jones's backup, AJ Dillon, who I I read a couple reports about saying about how good he's doing in camp, and so. Uh, you know, I know Aaron Jones is really, really good, but don't be surprised if AJ Dillon snags a couple, uh, vultures a couple touchdowns. Yeah, I liked AJ Dillon. That's why I had mentioned him before as a handcuff because I, he looked solid in the, uh, the the games that he got in there and actually got a little bit of featured work. I shouldn't say featured work, but um, when he did get the rock, he looked pretty solid. So I, I guess the only thing that I will say in closing here is I, I have a big concern about the fall-off of the running backs from, let's say, Tier 2 to Tier 3 and definitely from Tier 2 to, to like, the rest, Tier 4 to the rest. It, it just looks like, whereas other years you've been able to, you know, obviously there's going to be people that you never know that come through or didn't suspect that have solid years. But I would be, I'm a little concerned about going wide receiver, wide receiver this year like I, I typically do because I don't know what I'm going to get there in in the backfield. And I'm a little concerned that if all Tier 1 and Tier 2 were taken up and all of a sudden I'm dealing with Tier 3, if i got to deal with a starter of Tier 3, Tier 4, I don't know. I, I, I get a little concerned there. Um, and that that's so um, – I think I might actually at least feature a, a running back in one of my earlier picks – um, whereas years past, I, I basically like to lean heavily on wide receivers. But that is the one thing. And I, I think, if I remember right, that that CBS draft, I think running backs went off the board quick, no? They always do, yeah. Especially with the, with the analysts and the experts. Yeah. And so I guess to, to wrap it up here, as I'm looking to see if there's any injury news that I missed – there is not injury news, but I would like to uh, congratulate you, uh, Chris, as the Los Angeles, not Los Angeles, the Las Vegas Raiders. Obviously, a major malfunction. Have now lost two more front office executives. So, I know. yesterday it was their VP.
VP of strategy and business. His name was Mark Badane. And now, oh, no, I'm sorry. Uh, Brandon Dahl, or, 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 okay, let me, oh, Jesus Christ. That was crazy fuck up. So here we go. Team president Mark Bardane left first. Then the VP of strategy and business left after him. His name was Brandon Dahl. So CEO, CEO Ed Villanuevo and controller Arexi Grant have both left. Are, are you fucking kidding me? What a disaster in Los Angeles right now. That is, that is the entire business side of your team. You have lost your president, VP of strategy and business development, your CEO, and controller. Yeah, but they have Mark Davis. Uh, I, I mean, there's you, you guys have no money. That's so you the got issue. Mark da- you have Mark Davis, and you have Mark Davis's wife, and you have Mark Davis's kids. That's it, man. What else do you need? Uh, I mean, you need some kind of corporate structure here to run this team. You have John Gruden, and you have like you have the freaking draft analyst of amazing draft analyst Mike Mayock as your GM. <laughs> yep, you definitely do. You definitely do. What else do you need? That team is—they're killing it right now, bro. Uh, I'm just saying, like, why does the controller leave? Why does the controller leave? The I VP think all, of strategy all... and business development. They're all connected. They all were. They're all like right hand men to each other. No, they are all trying to run the Raiders to their best ability, and they are just getting stepped on constantly by the owners. And this is a recipe for disaster because uh, obviously the owners are not listening to them, and they're you, you've been hearing grumblings about money problems with the Raiders for what two years now. And I, I don't think you can deny it at this point. You know, I, I mean, I, there's got to be something financial here going on for these people to be leaving in a drove like this. No, it'll it'll change once once fans come back to the to the new arena, man. It just it's going to take time. I I know, but wouldn't these people stay? Why would the CEO and why would the controller leave if it's like, all right, we just need one more year? I mean, there's there's just issues. There 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 are serious issues in know. your in your structure of your football club there. So, but yeah. uh, anyway, all right. So that's all we wrote. We got Thursday night football coming up here, and it's going to be the Cowboys and the Brownies. So enjoy the kickoff to the season with the Hall of Fame game. Congrats to all the people in there. Obviously, the big ticket is Peyton Manning entering the Hall of Fame, along with some other ones. My, my man, Drew Pearson, who I worked for a year at the XFL, ex-Cowboy great, was also a, a cool GM, uh, as much as you could be a GM for the XFL. So, And I hope you get better, sir, because you really sounded like duty. And it sounded yeah. like you got worse over the day, over the oh, podcast. Yeah, it's oh getting worse. Stop sniffing on the on the microphone. God, God, good God almighty. All right, well, you get some rest, the vitamin C, all the rest of it. I'm glad to hear that you don't have COVID and just a little uh, stuffy nose. And all the best to your wife and my nephew. And I will talk to you this weekend. Adios. All right, everybody else, peace. Audi 5000, thank you for listening. And tune in again. That's all I got. Peace, we're out.